Welcome to SonicState.com, uh, Sonic Talk. This is uh, episode 327, uh, recording live today on, uh, oh, it must be August the 21st, because I'm going on holiday in two days. Woohoo! So there will be no show next year. But in the meantime, um, I just also like to, we've got a quick tease there. There's three Volkers that arrived this morning, so I'm just showing you those there. And they, I think I played, I played a little bit at the end. I've got the MIDI, key, MIDI in there, because I can't be bothered with these little fiddly keyboards. They just don't work for me, but... But apart from that, there they are, the Volkers. Uh, obviously, this show is brought to you by Isotope, uh, who we very kindly had on last week's show. Uh, it was a, a hoot. Um, and want to thank them for, for a spot of lunch and all those things, and not and the sponsorship, of course. But uh, we'll have more on that. We've got a winner for uh, last week's competition, who's going to get RX and then an upgrade to RX3. And we've got a new ad. Uh, I'm not going to do a competition this week, though, because uh, there's no show next week, and I don't want to think about it while I'm on holiday. Well, that's fair enough, isn't it? Anyway, let's say hello to everybody. We have uh, in the house, we'll start with Dave Spears, because I haven't seen him for ages. Dave Spears, right over there in, uh, in his studio with the OB8 voice behind him. Is that a new, have you just got a new aspect, or have you moved, you've swiveled your camera or something? Oh, I moved, yeah, I'm on the laptop, so. Ah, you're mobile. I moved it around. Excellent. How so are you, Dave? I'm all right, thank you, and you? Yeah, I'm good. I saw a lovely picture of a uh, DS van. On your Facebook page, which oh, I, I, I'm just so hoping that you've bought that because I really would like to have a ride in it. It's not real. Oh, isn't it? I'm so disappointed. Oh. Oh. There's this guy on Instagram that I uh, follow and he is a car designer and what he does is he makes kind of mock-ups. So he did one of that, a pan hard, this mad American uh, thing. And I've just kind of... I've just, fallen for him. Yeah, I was like, I want that. The ideal tool van, really. I'm going to see if I can find it because you posted it. Oh, this is it. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to see if I can get it on our uh, on our screens here. There we go. I'm going to give people the opportunity to see that because it really does look. look at that. Wow, that is just beautiful. That that really should be a real thing. It's just. I think it, it. It's like a DS, but also like a jumbo jet, a mini jumbo jet. That's just fantastic. But it's also a little bit like a Citroen panel van at the same time as well. Isn't Certainly it? is, said exactly. Mr. Mark Tinley. <laughs> likebeing.com welcome mark hello so uh you might be might moving interrupting again oh, that's God. all right it's perfectly all right I, I was already starting to ramble it's like the kind of end of term fever i've got i've kind of passed caring like i said because it's uh it's my last show for a week and i'm woohoo i'm gonna be going away and i'm probably going to enjoy um and it's going to be sunny by all accounts which is even more um oh. unlikely and unusual anyway mark how are you you well i'm 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 still like this which is Oh, you got your foot in a... Uh, ah, you've still got, got a com- comedy leg. Trying to move house. Uh, oh, Mark, you won't be able to carry having, much. Having a foot <laughs> out is worse than having two hands chopped off, I've decided, because, of course, you have to use your hands for the... the uh, what are they called? Crutches. Yeah. So by the time you've got two hands on crutches and you're hopping... I, I am learning all sorts of new balancing tricks. <laughs> I'm in a so are you, are you be, you're being loaded up, you can, sort of, you can put carrier bags in your mouth, sort of, so you can carry bags. Well, in I your... hang them off the end of these things. So ah, I hang yeah, yeah, them okay. off the handles. So this thing says that it can carry 25 kilos, but I've been carrying, like, buckets full of motorcycle parts and tools and things on the and, end. And bags full of all the, uh, the, 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 the best china and glasses, yes? 
No, they're, they're coming <laughs> to do that on Saturday, though, I think. Wow, how exciting. Yeah. How exciting. And we, and we don't have a house to move to in Glastonbury, so we're going to live, live in, in a, a yurt. No, yeah. I'd like to live in a yurt. I can't find one to live in. If anybody's got a yurt in Glastonbury and you want to have a, a somebody who makes strange noises living in your garden, let me know. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be, we're going to be inundated, Mark. That was a very foolish thing to say. You're going to have the choice of everything. Well, I'm certainly going to have uh, some fun made out of me in the chat room, I should imagine. But You might. There will be some good jokes from that, I'm sure. Well, anyway, Mark, and congratulations, and I hope your move goes well. And, of course, we've got Mr Gaz Williams right over there, and bass player and uh, producer and technologist over there, songsurgeon.co.uk, and, I might add, star of the latest episode of Sonic's Touch, which I believe is going down a treat. Great. Episode 24, finally. Yeah, please go and check it out. Uh, we'll take a look at the CME X-Keys and uh, Thor, mm. which I'm really have feeling bad about the fact that we didn't actually give it a Sonic Touch Gold Award because I was just thinking, this is so deserving of one, and I just we didn't do it. That's oh. how hard it is to win one. <laughs> well, uh, so as promised last week, I was going to say I was going to announce my new piece of kit, which uh, I've just got this bass guitar, which I'm really pleased about. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a rare one. Uh, wow. Let's see if you can see this thing. It's got uh, a sort of Firebird vibe to it. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's from Ooh. 1979. It's an Overwater right. original. Ooh. Those wow. pickups are original ones, aren't they? Yeah. Bill Armstrong. Mark, Bill Armstrong. Seventies. Some... Bill Armstrong pickups. Yeah. Is there a cat hanging over the front of your webcam, Mark? No. I don't know what. <laughs> um, I don't know what that was. I don't know. Anyway, it was a fly. It was, oh, a, it was fly. a fly. Fly on the webcam. Good <laughs> lord. <laughs> wow, I think we. That, there's the show title right there. Fly on the webcam. Great, that's uh, sorted. Go, that, sorry, guys. The one thing I was going to mention about this bass is quite interesting is that you won't be able to see it on the camera, but the frets in the bottom end are fatter and higher and they get thinner and lower as you go up the neck. So you can have this incredible low action. It's got this really long neck. And. Now, I need to get this verified, but I think that this was the forerunner to the, the buzzard bass that John Entwistle um, was, was, became famous for. So, but it's just full of little, nice little details, and I'm really pleased with it because it's a bit... Wow, bass. I just did... Uh, the David Rhodes videos are up online, if anyone has... Uh, oh, link, links, what? please, and I'll put them in the chat room. Yeah, I really... That was... Yeah, that's can I ask a question? Certainly. When he used the word tart, why did he look at you and laugh? <laughs> Dave's referring to the video, with, uh, <laughs> which he's obviously seen. That was because I was showing off in front of the camera, and David called me a tart and, um, in the song. And I subsequently made a really massive mistake, which then threw David off, and it's all in the video. You can see it. That's uh, The song's called Waggle Dance, uh, David Rhodes. Um, I'll find wow. the link, but uh, yeah, that was um, it's a great studio. So that's uh, that's that video is not, worth. Working. Oh well, we'll check that out. Please do give us the links for the show notes because I'll put them in tomorrow. Definitely. So, shouting. Um, uh, yeah. One last thing, I was just going to show you something that I was messing around with that came yesterday, and that is the Zoom. It's a Zoom. Uh, let's just put it out a little bit. Uh, it's it's called the MS seventy CDR. Oh, is that like a, a programmable stump box? Yeah, but it's got a few things that I think is interesting to Sonic status. Uh. In, in that, it's it's a stereo input, stereo output, 
and you can stack up to six effects. So it's like a multi-effect in the start box. But of certain interest really is um these things traditionally have like tried to emulate analog pedals but there's lots of digital emulations in this one including various digital emulations of the eventide space kind of i, I don't know if you know that that's a eventide stomp box called the space wow yeah and yeah. there's like three or so of the em, you know emulations of the space algorithms in this little box wow. like, including this one called deep space so if you've heard those units which and they really are nice i mean it hasn't got quite the same sound i, sh- as, I should hope not but it's close. It is close, and it's just kind of quite nice because you can, as I say, you can stack. So you can stack loads of sort of tape echoes on top of each other, up to six of them in the one stomp box. You see, so and it's stereo in. So as I say, quite nice. As if you're looking for a stomp box to plug, uh, like a a monosynth into. All oh, right, we we'll have to check that out. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's good. It's good because you can get that really huge modulating reverby thing that sounds a lot bigger than you would expect from a, a pedal it does actually sound quite like a rack unit i gotta be honest oh nice nice one so in the other world of guitars we uh, reviewed the two new thrs from yamaha um last couple of days and the thrc which is kind of based on clean tones and classic we, we had it on a table over there and i was just here while they were setting up and he was playing and the reverb just sounded like it was coming from all around the room it was just absolutely amazing I think this thing's kind of this big and it just fills this space it's astonishing really yeah astonishing um i suppose we well we could get onto stories but actually um there's a couple of things i wanted to say and the first thing is i've got this fantastic um link from uh, derek warren who's a long-time listener of the show and i'm just going to play it because it really is it's just brilliant check this out this was called 303 Party. And this is basically. There you go, there's me roving away. That looks like uh, Gem. Mark, you're doing a bit of weave there. And Dave, I like your kind of uh, bouncy man. Awesome. That's just brilliant. That was, in fact. Where am I? So, Ah, well, you, were, you obviously weren't in that show, I guess, Gaz. This is team. Hold on, let's get you in. You can you can come on now. So I'll play it now. There you go. You can have your bit. Yay! There you go. Left out the party. There you go. You got your bit as well. <laughs> Fantastic. That was so. That was Derek Warren. He basically put it together because, as you know, uh, episode three hundred three, we had I think I started with a uh, an, an acid loop, which of course you have to really. That was absolutely brilliant. So uh, that was. Um, uh, Derek Warren, thank you very much for putting that together. That was brilliant. And I, I've had that on all day, just sort of going on in the background. And now, of course, the thing is now, I can sort of do something very similar with uh, with me. Oh. I can make that happen. That's not a bad uh, 303 kind of emulation. That is, of course, the Volker, which arrived today. The Korg Volkers, I've got all three of them. Uh, I took sent a little picture on Facebook to say, you know, look, I've got a load of Volkers. And here we are. This is the uh, Volker bass, the Volker keys. And the Volker drum beat. There we go. <laughs> that sounded impressive, isn't it? So uh, I might interject with a couple of uh, moments from that. Um, so 
It's, uh, they actually do sound quite good. Um, they're very small, very particular. They don't come with any power supplies, which is a bit disappointing, but they do come with six AAA batteries. So uh, we'll see whether or not the batteries will last the show. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm kind of getting the idea that maybe hooking several of them up together is going to be quite a laugh. I, specifically, I think, maybe hooking up several of the keys, because I can play... I take my MIDI out. I've just got a MIDI in coming from uh, from a keyboard I've got under the desk here. I've got the opportunity to... Uh, That's good. Well, that, that delay is incredibly noisy. So, yeah, three-note poly, and it actually does work. I mean, you've only got what sounds like a uh, sawtooth wave, but, um, hey, or a triangle. I think it's so- it sounds like sawtooth, actually, doesn't it? Dave, your analogue ear right there. Yes, Nick, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yes, Nick, that's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> and I can detune them. It sounds, sounds quite... That's pretty impressive. That's in the... Impressive it's coming over this is in the unison mode. This little button here goes, you've got uh, poly, unison, and various other modes. And then I can detune the oscillators. Get a bit of delay on there. It's got some quite nice portamento. And it's got a pitch envelope, only one envelope. And there's little functions along here, so you can change the shape of the LFO. So you've got uh, triangle, saw, and uh, square. You can't change the oscillator in here, but you can change the oscillator here between square and triangle I believe I haven't really had an awful lot unison doesn't sound bad you've got also got uh, octave which I'm not hearing much uh, fifths sounds like a ring ring mod then you've got polyphonic ring mod which enables you to play one note and then the next note you play gives it the uh, ring mod frequency I guess which is quite a nifty feature. I've never seen that on anything before. It's quite a neat, neat way of getting around it. And then, um, oh, that's it. That's your lot. <laughs> but um, I just thought I'd bring it on the show because um, I'm going to try and do a sort of unboxing because I'm not going to get a chance to review it before I go on holiday. But I was thought what I'd do is do a video of kind of, here's the basics, really basic, um, breakneck speed tomorrow, and then get it on um, on the show uh, sorry, not on the show. Get it, get it done when I get back, so we can. Uh, well, frankly, just get more page views, you know. But you know, that's what you do when you got to review things like this. It takes quite a long time, but I think people are going to be quite interested. Might even do a live thing as well, because we can do uh, obviously a live stream, which like we did with the Korg MS Twenty Mini as well. So the connectivity, Nick, between the different models. Uh, uh, there's mid, there's MIDI, and then there's CV and gate as well. Is that right? Can you connect them? Oh, yeah. Let me show you. Um, oops. What we've got is. Hold it up to the camera. That's the connectivity. You've got a MIDI in only, sync in and out, and a headphone out, which is the audio out, effectively. So the MIDI in, I suppose if you had a through or splitter, you could play all of them simultaneously. I don't know whether you can set them at individual channels. I haven't got that deep. 
but you can't daisy chain the audio through them, but you can get the sync. I haven't really had a chance to check whether the sync is really happening. I'm guessing it's the same sort of sync that you get on the Monotribe, that kind of thing. There's an app as well, isn't there, that syncs with the, mo- with the Monotribe, I think. Uh... Um, yes, I think you're right there. Um, so, so there might be something that we can do with all of that as well. Oh, look, we've got mm. another fly on that on Ga- <laughs> What is it about your... Uh, what is it about your um, webcam, Mark? That's very. Have you? Have you? There was a fly crawling over it again. Sorry, that was. <laughs> was he? Oh, sorry. That's all right. No, I just wanted to there catch it. So I could... the apple in the corner of the room the other day, and it's <laughs> all sorts of problems. Oh dear. Sorry, Gaz. I, I just saw that, and I wanted to catch the moment. Yeah. Uh, just wondering, really, though. I mean, uh, it's been interesting seeing from the lowly monotron through the, the three different monotrons. Now they're launching three. Volkers in one kind of hit, this, you know, and them, okay, I mean, they're not exactly super cheap, but they are kind of affordable, very affordable. Yeah, 119 um, quid. 119, each. and they're all the same price, each yeah, one. Yeah, 119.99, all the same price. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? That sort of just kind of creates like a new type of product zone that they could, you know, assuming they're going to sell quite a lot, and I, and I, I suspect that they will. I suspect that they will be big sellers for Korg. I wonder then whether that product market, you know, that £120 price point, you know, I wonder how exploitable it is by other manufacturers who make things that can kind of incorporate the sink, you know. So Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing really. I mean, if you think about it, these are the pro- – they're like, you know, the lower end of um, Dopefer modules, Eurorack modules, except they do an, a, a whole bunch. And if you, could, if you could imagine maybe taking these out of the rack – and, uh, you know, getting them into a rack, sorry, and then, because they probably fit if you cut them up a bit, and then getting all those extra patch points, you might be able to get some really interesting action. Because I know somebody's done a Monotron. Is it a Monotron um, Euro rack? You can put it in a Euro rack. I think right. Dave might know. I don't know. That ha- could be ha- interesting. Have Korg kind of maintained the same uh, thing that they did with the yeah, Monotron? I, I I've only had it. I've only oh, had it for Okay, like I mean, I was just wondering, so. you know, the Maybe. Monotrons, they made them deliberately moddable, you know, and they, they, they made it easy for people to mod labelling things. I wonder there if these... Is, uh, there, there is actually, I, you can't probably aren't going to see it in here, but I can see that there is uh, well, I'll show you, there is, you the, the back is kind of slightly see-through so I'm sure with a very powerful light you might need to be able to look in there without actually taking it to bits. Okay. But, uh, we'll that's see that's about kind that. of interesting. Yeah. That's an invitation to circuit bend, isn't it, really? Yeah, Mark, I can feel your uh, th- yes knocking on your door already. Indeed. Well, I, 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 it sounds good enough over Skype for me to want one. Well, really? Actually, no, that's not true. I think I uh, already wanted one anyway. But you did. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What do you think, Dave? You kind of are you any more convinced? Or you, yeah, I mean, it's hard for you because you've just bought a whole load of massive real thing, as no, it I were. Want, I want them. I decided that anyway. What's confusing me is that I read previously that there is a square and a sawtooth on the keys. Uh, okay. But I can't see it on a picture. In fact, I'm looking at a picture kind of going, and some of those sounds definitely sounded a bit pulse widthy. Anyway, well, that, the pulse width, yeah, the, the pulse width was actually detuned. That was me detuning. You go into unison mode and then you got unison detune. Ah, okay. Okay. That makes, yeah, makes a bit more sense. So that was the Volker keys that you were The Volker keys, the Volker bass definitely allows you, let me see. I might be able to hold it up here. Just this. We may as well do this because, uh, frankly, my topics this week suck. So these came along as a bit of a saviour. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, if you, you might be able to see there uh, where you see M7. Yeah. Uh, sorry, M9. You've got VCO wave. 
three VCOs, so you can have each of the got three the three VCOs because there are three oscillators on this one. Each can be uh, what looks like saw or square, and that's a switchable thing. Okay, cool. I don't know if you can see that or not. Uh, and then you can change the wave on on the LFO and the destination a bit. So there is uh, there is some modular. Uh, as far as the drums go, well, this is a bit more complicated because it's got. Uh, you don't get an awful lot of synthesis there. There are some things that you can do, uh, but not an awful lot by the by the look of things. Um, and uh, yeah, but we'll see. I mean, there may be other mods. I, I suspect the the drums would be the one that would be the most exciting to do the mods to, because uh, you know, if you could extend the bass drum um, or the range, or you know, there's you know whatever those kind of things. So it'd be kind of interesting. I'd but, love yeah. to put that up against, say, the SDS five. In fact, we just bought an SDS seven. Oh. Dave, with I'm, all of the racks full, you know, like I've got to come the hats and the cymbals and all that kind of stuff, which is quite amazing because they're ludicrously rare because they were hideously unreliable. Wow. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to I'm see coming, how it stacks up against that. I'm coming to your place when I get down, get yeah, back from all day. I bring my STS-9. Oh. <laughs> What's that? I didn't think they were... I would. I fancied an, SD, an SDX. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. see, that's the one that Chris hated because that was the kind of road drill snare. Yeah, it, it looked, uh, we've talked about this before. It looks a bit like a Stormtrooper's helmet with a hand, or, or like one of those um, kiddie carry cots that you put a car seat. You know, it's, it's a very strange looking thing. Yeah, it's funny that you say that word helmet. Because <laughs> that's what I thought I looked like in that 909 video. If I was bald in that 909 video, doing okay. that dance, yeah, it could be really bad. Anyway. Right. We used to buy those pads off... Um, out of loot for like five and ten pounds each those hexagonal pads absolutely like next to nothing nobody wanted them at all no well they they were made of riot shields weren't they as we've discussed in the past and, and yeah. so they weren't very good for your rs uh, rsi or anything else for that matter i liked them though because i wanted to be in gary newman's band i think I, well i can Peter totally understand Look, that. i've managed to capture a picture of the fly <laughs> oh my oh yeah there is yeah there oh look there is a fly on the webcam, but we now see it from the other side. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's not um, really, actually. It's quite uh, revolting. Well, you know, as long as you don't lick your laptop that often, it's probably okay. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Have we got actually got any... Uh, well, we've done the Derek... Uh, we've done the Volkers. Ah, oh, Mark, you sent this one. And this, this deserves a play. Uh, looks like Florian Schneider there on his flute. This is a very. Uh, I've been told subsequently that everybody's seen this, but uh, apart from me, by somebody very arsy on Facebook saying, "Oh, you losers!" Essentially, you know, what do you mean? Anyone who knows their stuff knows that this already. I, there's nothing new here to see. Uh, but this is craftwork, uh, kind of or part of craftwork. Um, there was some really interesting electronics in there, which you would expect. I won't play it all, but it basically goes on to be a sort of fairly psychedelic kind of hippie commune, German, Germanic in the woods, Krautrock kind of thing. And it's just not what you expect. I think I wrote in the article, you know, I, I sort of had this feeling that Kraftwerk stepped fully formed from an alien spaceship made of plastic, you know, yeah. but that's obviously not the case. They've got a musical history, which is, in, some way, in some ways it's a bit disappointing, really. And Mark, you, you were kind of going, it's like, it's like Hawkwind. <laughs> They just yeah, needed it's a very wizard. Like I mean, it reminds me of uh, that record that had the wizard on it. 
in between all the tracks, there was this wizard kind of talking. Well, obviously, it wasn't really a wizard. It was <laughs> from Hawkwind talking through an echo box, and then it went back into another sort of 20-minute track that sounded a bit like that, and then the wizard would say something else, and it just totally reminded me of that. So, uh, well. and and. I haven't seen it before, actually, and so it's all completely new news to me. And I was, uh, yeah, like you, I was a little sort of disappointed because they are kind of like mannequin kind of alien. Yeah, thing. and there and he was, like a like, hippie. Oh, no, man, that's no good. That's no good, is it? Yeah. Uh, Kostikai in the chat room says, uh, join the Synth Britannia videos in the German scene. I think um, the, that video popped up or poked up. <laughs> that sounds more fun. <laughs> I'm all poked up, man. <laughs> I used to be in a band that had a song called Has the Pope Got the Groove? I know, I've played it to a few people. Oh, God, yeah. But anyway, that, that's <laughs> random. But great fun. I mean, Gaz, I, you know, you are, I, we know, a fan of prog rock, and that was a sort and of... Crack rock, yeah. Crack rock, there you go. That, you must have been in heaven, surely. <laughs> that's, uh, it sounded like Popple Vu to me, rather than Kraftwerk. Uh, and it was interesting seeing... Uh, but at first, when you see there's like a mixer in front of um, Florian Schneider and... Uh, I think it must be a piece of yellow tape, but I, I swore it was like a, an LED strip just above the... <laughs> and I thought it was like a, mic, a, a digital mixing desk. Ah, um, oh, that would be cool. Yeah, and I was thinking, wow. Well ahead of... Well ahead. <laughs> well of, ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, but that, did, that was interesting, though, because I yeah. wondered what the synth was, because well, there was definitely a synth on the flute, wasn't there? Well, there was this whole movement in that early 70s German movement to really pl- integrate electronics into into like live performance uh so seeing obviously that that's the sort of thing that Kraftwerk were obviously up to then i know that faust when they were recording in the the church house that they had that was uh, sorry an old school house that was turned into a recording studio they all had control panels to affect multi-effects but they would affect the effects of the other band members so you'd uh <laughs> You know, you what's would that? mess. That's fantastic. What's that? Exper- <laughs> what's that? There's that experiment, isn't there, where they um, they pretend that they're electrocuting, you know, fluffy kittens and other people, and it's all sort of they yeah, just the go. Yeah, the man in the white coat. Sounds a bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> the musical equivalent. Uh, Dave, yeah. did you see? Did you see the? Somebody said it was a Gibson um, something or other, and I thought it might be an EMS high fly. I don't think uh, it was a high fly because that's got. I don't that think very so. That's right, and I think unless unless it was rehoused, but I think um, that was the mixer. Uh, in fact, um, I should have this because somebody wrote it in the comments, and I'm afraid I haven't. Um, I'm afraid haven't the only it. thing I recognised was a traffic cone. I <laughs> <laughs> see it. I didn't recognise anything else in there. I was kind of yeah. really scrutinising it, going, oh, "Surely there must be something." It looks but like I a, well, I recognised the gold pull, the gold Les pull. That was about it, but yeah. yeah it just, but, but frankly, that just looks like a Saturday, uh, Sunday morning round our way. <laughs> when the students are back. <laughs> wasn't, it a, wasn't it a Bluthner flute he was playing? Was that, I, I didn't quite work a out. Bluthner, oh gosh, I have no idea. That's getting a bit too... I'm, I'm joking. It looked like an XLR in the end of it, but that's yeah, a microphone that, with an XLR plugged down the been. end of it. If you sawed the end off a flute and, and glued a microphone in the end and it had an XLR output. Would that work if you put a pencil mic down the end of a flute, or would it change maybe, the tuning maybe. completely? It was 1971. Uh, Lagrange uh, was asking. 1971 was the year. Apparently, that was posted. But it's a great bit of a great bit of kind of old school, and also quite advanced video effects and what have you. I mean, basically, that whole thing is just like a sort of psychedelic jam. 
uh, and it just sounds a lot like um, the middle eight to quite a lot of records from the late 60s and early 70s. Mm-hmm. It's but, quite uh, interesting. Yeah. Their first three albums were very, very much like that. I've got one. Oh, I've got the, I haven't got the first two, but uh, which I think that was the fir- from the first album. But the third one's, I think it's called Ralph and Florian. I think that's all it's called. But that's very, that's like just when they started getting into vocoders and synths and stuff like that. And that's a very kind of ambient, and trippy drum album. as well, right? Yeah. Drum Machine sort of came into it there, didn't they? Yeah, I think that's only on a couple of tracks, Drum Machine, but that was the start. And then I think that was 73, and then 74 was obviously Autobahn, and that's when everything had a, kicked off. There was, a big, there was a, big, a big element of that movement back then as well, was to um, not have any American chordal influence in the music. So the chord sequences would not ever take on any sort of 12 bar or... or d- discernible like rock and roll kind of form yes! and, wow. and they were using sort of scales you know they were trying not to use just like pentatonic blue scales you know and it was in a way bringing the european tradition really into a kind of hippie it gives those it does give music from that particular period of time including that Kraftwerk uh video a real a, a, a particular flavor i think very european and i think it's uh yeah yeah a little bit of background there. There we go. More facts flying past in the chat room, of course. Uh, was, uh, what does that say there? Uh, Daniel, Native VS says, Danny Miller owns the vocoder that was used on Ralph and Florian and Autobahn. Uh, Danny Miller actually did uh, appear in... Um, there was a, 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 a punk, a punk Britannia. And that's what I thought which was, was brilliant. That really echoes what... I, I saw I re-watched all three of those the other day. They were on the BBC Three over here, and that's what I was... I was trying to explain to my wife why I liked certain punk bands but didn't like others. And I was explaining that, really, any punk band that played 12-bar should have automatically been disqualified from being a punk band. And that's why I love people like McGeoch and the, the Banshees Lucas. and all those guys, yeah. because that was all different. And that's, yeah, that was just basically oh, pub ro- no, tired no. pub rockers. What about Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers? That was all 12 bar, and that was cool. I liked that. Yeah, but that was pub rock. Pub rock? Yeah. Oh, Dave, no. that's fighting talk. <laughs> oh. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know whether we can... I don't we can risk going there. This is, this is terrible. I'll I, I tell okay. you what, I'll do an ad instead, because we have an ad, and then I can <laughs> announce the winner of the competition and play a little something, because there's something interesting. I'll hide under the table and come out it when it's finished. Then. Anyway, RX3 is coming soon um, to, uh, they say, September sometime. Uh, basically, it's got a whole load of new things. You can see there's a new uh, interface there. There's a de-reverber called uh, de-reverb, in fact. There's also a new dialogue, real-time dialogue denoiser, which is a low uh, CPU version that allows you to run on multiple tracks. So if you've got a lot of dialogue, brilliant stuff for film. Uh, you can work up to six times faster with audio intelligent processing and other work workflow improve, improvements. Never lose an edit again with unlimited audio undo history. Plus, uh, you probably aren't seeing the video there, but there's actually now a tabbed interface, so you can open multiple... Uh, uh, documents and uh, multiple copies of the same document for comparison. Fix many audio problems with tools such as D-Clip, D-Click, D-Clip, and even patch specific audio problems with uh, the spectral repair. RXV will be, be available sometime in September. Uh, for more information on how uh, RX3 will redefine what's possible with the audio, you can sign up isotope.com forward slash RX3. Uh, and also you can get 
a 10-day uh, demo of the original RX uh, slash RX. If you put a three on the end of that, you can find out and sign up, and they'll keep you posted. And we did shoot uh, a, like a half-hour special on that with uh, uh, Matt from last week, who was a guest on the show. So that'll be coming in uh, September at some point, and they'll tell me when I can play it, and hopefully we'll have a bit of a scoop there. But last week, we did set a... Uh, competition which was um what's the most sort of random unwanted thing you want in your recording and there were a few uh, entries um some were plainly going for the r uh, the isotope vote but the, the one that the isotope fairy liked the look of uh was um warren christiansen uh, i don't know uh he 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 posted via the Sonic State comments, and he said, I tried to record whippoorwills in the Arkansas woods and got 10 minutes of a dog barking, followed by someone opening a door shouting, shut up. And that was kind of it. There wasn't really any more to it, but she really liked that one. And so, therefore, um, I, I also wanted to, actually, that I, I, I thought it was quite interesting, because I don't know what whippoorwills sound like, so I'm going to play you a whippoorwill here. Uh, I think I've got it. If I now go to this, we should have... This is a, a, a nighttime recording. That's what they sound like. That's uh, quite an unusual sound. So there you, you go. That's what a whippoorwill sounds like. Do you reckon you could do that with an analog synth? Recreate that with that kind of little modulation at the end there? Oh, be nice. Dave, there's a challenge nice for you. Challenge. That'd be a modular I'm sure you challenge, could. That would, That's a modular job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could do that with uh, um, multiple envelopes and an LFO with a one one shot mode. Yeah, I reckon. There's you could do a that. challenge for the audience. Right, well, that's an interesting idea. There was also another brilliant post, um, which I, I'd have to find now, but uh, it went along the lines of, I watch these talks on my day off. Um, I generally buy, while I'm drinking beer, I generally buy eight beers. That's 326 times eight, which equals something like 2,006. I've got it, it's 2,600 and something. Let me see if I can find it, because I just thought it was such a brilliant thing to post. <laughs> Warren Christian said, it's called... Um, the fish dog. Yeah, I watch these talks on my day off drinking beer. I buy eight beers, so three hundred and twenty-six times eight equals two thousand six hundred and eight beers. Yeah. Fair play to you. That's the sort of comment you know that's bound to bound to get them getting anyway. That's that was fun. I thought it was a bit of fun. So those are comments. And like I said, there's no competition this week because there's no show next week. But we will get another one or two in, I'm sure, before the uh, before the time's up. And uh, like I say, keep an eye on uh, stuff for. Um, on Sonic State 4. What did they win? Oh, yes, that's a good good point, Mark. They won uh, Isotope RX uh, and also a free upgrade to RX3 when it comes out. So effectively, they've won RX3 before it's been released. That's really exciting. Can I enter next week? <laughs> I'm not sure that's possible, Mark. Um, maybe your, your, your webcam fly could enter, but I don't think you can. Sorry, and also, you minute. can't really enter next week because there is no show next week. So by all means, enter away next week and everything will be fine. <laughs> can't guarantee you'll win anything. Oh, well, congratulations and good luck or good fun or good... Uh, yeah, that's good, great. Good music Early. to whoever won. Um, oh yeah, this was another one. This is this is a right. Okay, I'll play this one. I think I'm allowed to do this because this is a movie trailer, which is advertising a movie. So therefore, it must be fair game use and fair usage, right? Because that's what they put it up for. So let's see if we get busted. Um, obviously, when I start doing this, and we're I'm going to try doing a YouTube live event. Uh, I want to see what the chat room thought about it. That actually, um, 
So, uh, yeah, I'm going to try doing this via a YouTube event because it might increase the number of live viewers, but I don't know whether or not what the chat room situation is there. I don't know if anybody's used YouTube, uh, viewed a YouTube live event, whether it's any good, because we could maybe use that instead for, but, you know, I'll, I'll take a poll on that and see what people think. Anyway, I'll play the video now and stop talking. Perhaps. I think I was at that gig. So this is the trailer for the One Direction. And just listen to the way they edit these voices. This is just totally... They've made these boys say what they didn't say. So this is the trailer for the new One Direction movie. Because of you, we're number one in 37 countries. Yeah, good on you, mate. Uh, here we go. Now listen to this. When I was little, I knew that... I when I was little, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to play the rest of that. That's just So that was Harry Styles saying, when I was little, and then some other constructed sentence about how he loves being in One Direction, when in fact in the film he apparently says, I hate being famous, but they don't say anything else about it. But basically, you know, this is massive. 1D and 3D, uh, my daughter wants to go and see it. It's out on 29th of August. And there was a, a, a documentary in the UK last week about the craziness of the fans and... I was really, I couldn't really understand how people could be so devoted and into and idolising these guys. And, and, and this sort of weird delusional kind of situation where they think that they're somehow going to fall in love and get married. Uh, or, you know, it, it's a really strange phenomenon. I'm, I'm, this is apparently has come out by social media, but it's an interesting kind of thing because there's two, there's two possible topics here. We can riff on the fact that how does this sort of thing happen? Is it some sort of phenomenon? Is it a kind of psychological kind of condition that uh, young kids of an early of specific ages just get hooked into this thing and it's very skillful marketing? Or the other one is, um, are there any decent sort of band stroke pop music films like this that you could recommend or think, you know, that have any sort of other meaning? So you can answer any one of those questions. So whoever wants to go first can just kind of, yeah can carry on or not and i haven't got my tumbleweed ready so i'm hoping i'm not going to end up like that. so i think mark you're mark both well, I've, well, yeah, oh, I mean, I've experienced a lot of this actually a lot of the fan i've got to be really careful what i say here because i'm actually friends with some people who would love for one of duran duran to fall in love with them and marry them no, sure. So, it's a very, so it's a really strange. It's a very strange, though, isn't they're it? They're under mean, no illusion that that's not going to happen. But then they hold a torch for the particular member of the band who they would like to fall in love with them and marry them. And at the same time, it's kind of a fantasy kind of. You know, it would be their um, their or they believe it would be their dream come true. So, um, and and those. Some of those people are in their forties now, and uh, and I don't know. They just—I mean—it's an interesting sort of thing that they've lived through life with their boyfriends or partners or whatever, and uh, been through relationships or are in relationships with other people, and then have this kind of fantasy running in the background that maybe one day that could be possible. But then at the same time, there's a reality check there that says no, that could never happen. So I guess they must have started off in the same way that you know. Yeah, I mean, this is fueled by this is this this has been fueled by much more direct kind of contact with social media. So I can understand to a certain degree, and that's interesting. I'm just I just want to put some stuff. There's there's another aspect of that as well, isn't there? Because what we're taught in media and how to 
use media as people who work in media, so as in terms of presentation, yeah. the way you present is that you always speak to the listener as if you're speaking to them. So you have in mind a person who you would like to speak to, and then you, all of your dialogue sounds like you're talking directly to the person who's listening. It's, design, mm. it, it's designed kind of that way. So as for in, in terms of the social media, the social media is going to be making those people think that the band are speaking directly to them. They're taught to, to communicate like that, aren't they? So, Yeah, maybe so. I, I, maybe I need to go and revisit my pr- presentation techniques because I never think in those terms. But, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I mean, uh, just quickly, in the chat room, um, Yellow Submarine has been muted as a, uh, a, a must-have. I don't know what's going past. Uh, and also Spinal Tap, which is a kind of... It works, but it's a spoof. But there, And also Some Kind of Monster, the... Uh, uh, the documentary with, uh, um, what are they called? That band. Metallica is supposed to be very, very good as well. Though not intentionally funny, it is because of the excess. I know, guys, what do you make of it? It's a strange phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always remember seeing the footage of uh, the Beatles when they went over to Australia, I think was that the 1964 tour, and I think it was one million people Gee, wow, took to the streets is, and like, that's it, really... the population of the country was it nine million or something and <laughs> uh i think that's right oh the, 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 it's very very it's a lot yeah um and i i actually found that really moving actually watching that there that just seeing those young guys just in that situation i don't get the same feeling for these <laughs> one direction sadly um but you know what, what what is it that tips the balance that, you know, what creates that epidemic, you know, some, um, that makes one boy band or one thing just like unbelievably popular? You know, what is, what is the thing? I mean, because with One Direction, it's, are they, is there talent in the band there? I really don't know. I mean, what do you think? Uh, not really, no. I mean, they all, they're, they're, there's no such thing as them. They were put so together. Specific, they, were put toge- they were put together before our very eyes, and it's all the skills of the production, you know, the production so, and what have you. So, so the yeah. epidemic is entirely, entirely manufactured without any merit. I suppose it is a little bit, but I mean, that's that's hmm. easy. I mean, it's it's kind of totally easy for us to kind of poo poo it because we that's don't. Music. Yeah, it's pop yeah, but music. But we thought as kind of middle-aged am i middle-aged yeah i think i'm middle-aged but as middle-aged men we fall foul of other epidemics like i don't know certain car manufacturers throw something out in the world and everyone goes oh god look at that but i mean ferraris are basically crap aren't they and lamborghinis fall apart and break down and all those kind of things and yet we're you know we're we're spun a different marketing thing and we I mean, fall for lots of lots of uh, things, well, not it, just Lamborghinis and Ferraris, but lots of other things we fall for. But could all them people be wrong? I mean, could they all be wrong? No, it obviously speaks to them. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. They're, they're, you know, that's what I, un- so I don't understand. The phenomenon is, it, very, is that the strength of the marketing behind that particular brand, or is there something else going on? Uh, I guess you know. I mean, they came together through one of those talent shows, didn't they? Was it X Factor or something? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, right. Um, so it's, it is entirely celebrity culture. Then there's no. Is there, yeah, is, but uh, is there a songwriter in the band like a Gary? No, Barlow? no, no. no. Uh, well, no. I think there is. I think they are. T- you know, they are, the the individual lads are sort of 
they have talent amongst themselves, but it's just, I don't know how utilised it is within this framework, that's all. So, I mean, that's perhaps yeah. not the, you know, the, it's because, a very rigid thing. I, I mean, mean I, I did go, I did see, I have actually seen them live, and uh, the thing but, that I found was, you know, was they looked a bit lost, frankly, yeah. but I mean, as you would. But, uh, you know, all the teeny boppers around, say, Duran Duran, for instance, I mean, Duran Duran were a proper band, though. They played their instruments, they wrote their songs, yeah. they... You know, wanted to probably be it's taken a different thing. It's a different but, thing yeah. but but then, well, is it I different? mean, the same with the Bay City Rollers, though, wasn't it? I mean, the Bay City Rollers. Yeah, if we look back at them, we kind of like go, "Oh my god!" But but they had a massive, massive following, and people would just, you know, they'd have all sorts of security issues with people, you know, pouring through the streets after them as they came out of shows and stuff. Yeah. So that was sort of like, you know. Same kind of thing. It's the, it's the, it's, I think I think undoubtedly it takes on a life of its own. Perhaps we could move it more towards the um, the concept of other films that maybe have have merit that are kind of purely musical. I mean, obviously the uh, I think I think Yellow Submarine and the Metallica one and, and Spinal Tap definitely. Dave, you got any got any nominations for the best music film award? I've got hundreds, uh, but just quickly about these guys, I didn't realize I heard something on the news this morning that they could be the first billionaire boy band. Which is quite staggering. If oh, it is, BBC yeah. It's to be believed. But so, uh, my opinion on all of this is pop music and all of this is has been deceptive since day one. Yeah, it's just transitory, isn't it's, it? But that's quite. Like, that is quite interesting. And that's, that's fine. I mean, I know somebody who's worked with Take That since kind of day one and says, you know, they're awesome guys. But at the beginning, were, were completely manufactured, and obviously oh. their talent came to the fore after a period of time. But it wasn't as micromanaged as all of this stuff. And the fact that I thought it was quite funny that um, Carol obviously appointed that Morgan... Oh, the, Morgan Spurlock. Yeah, yes. and, and that's kind of indicative of... Does Carol think that that makes it high culture? Or, Incredible. You know, yeah, I don't understand. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite fascinated by it, but I also find that the whole uh, teenage thing particularly disturbing. As did you... Well, the videos that you posted... Or you sent us the links to with people having, or was it these pictures of the two of them together and all that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's quite a bizarre, strange. It's a very bizarre. Well, I find that of, whole world quite. Um, I just can't understand sinister, it. actually. Yeah, it is. I don't think there's any recoll- any thought of how it comes across. It's but also, cute. you know, there's loads of things. This, uh, anyway, we could go on for hours just on this subject. But you know, if you repeat the same thing over and over again, it's amazing the amount of people who just buy into it and believe that that's the truth. Mm. And, no, they, and, right. and frankly, that's... they have they have had some well, very well crafted pop songs sent their way, and that's which the is why thing. which is why they why they've done you know they they are definitely you know they're, they're they're fantastic sort of stadium pop rock anthems that work really well to communicating a mass, and they're written by some very talented songwriters. You know, they, I, I forget there was a an article in I think it was in Future Music or uh, Music Radar, which was just an interview with a guy who's writing lots of those songs for people who just happens to be a young guy in a band, just happens to be finger on the button and is writing the sort of songs that just really well, it's a you know, songwriter it's a dream isn't it ask Jim jeez yeah, yeah. Uh, well songwriter's dream yeah I, I mean one of the mixes I'm, I've been working on recently is presenting a song to be presented to that kind of band uh, but in a better light and I'm certainly hoping that it works out because I could certainly do with a little bit of um, a so bit of that coming Rich, my way Rich Hilton used to say the gift that keeps on giving absolutely as yeah. for the films my god I think um, in fact I saw that Telstar the other night which I thought was absolutely brilliant super uh, the whole film. Joe Meek story yeah I mean really well acted Amazing. and yeah um, for me I don't know I mean Clint Eastwood's Bird I thought that was really good I've not seen that actually 
Uh, what else have we got? Standing in the Shadows of Motown. That was a whole Funk Brothers story thing. Give me shelter. Oh, Spinal Taps, obviously, legend. Control, Ian Curtis, the, the film oh, about that. I wow. thought that was brilliant. I saw that on a plane. Living in the Material World, I thought was absolutely superb. The Scorsese thing on George Harrison. Wow. But for me, there's this band, Heavy Load. I, I sent you guys a link to it. And they are, it's a punk band, but with learning difficulties. Ah, and yeah. And it's just the most kind of heartwarming story of just a load of lunatics in a punk band. And it really is absolutely superb. But they actually um, challenged, they kind of had this campaign and it was called Stay Up Late Campaign because it turns out that most kind of, you know, um, carers clock off at 10 o'clock at night, which means that anyone with kind of learning difficulties who lives in a place has to be in by nine o'clock. And they were feeling like they were missing out on a large part of kind of nightlife, which they were, and they challenged it and won. And I just thought things like that are just brilliant. So completely. Oh, excellent. Yeah, really good. Really good. So yeah, 24 hour party people. Yeah. Mark's fly. What do you think? Dude, oh, God, he's there. back, isn't he? There he is. I, it's a shame you haven't got really macro focus because we could be looking at some kind of really terrifying image of a fly's parts. That's really vile. <laughs> <laughs> you have to move now, Mark. You can't stay there. Well, yeah, must be the drains. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But, yeah, interesting phenomenon. I mean, it really is kind of bonkers, really. Um, um, but sort of on the subject of media training, um, there was also, and I don't know if I've got this right now, I've got got to put the video this is this was a video i'm then probably have to talk over this because it's a fox news one which will no doubt um do me in but this i'll see if i can play it and see what happens so if i talk over this bit then maybe we this is our show this is a back. report about um a band called um unemployed musician oh uh, the rat beach bum what are they called i'm trying to remember now that uh, job with a regular rat. boss we wondered how Jason's fellow life. Americans would rat life. That's right. Pay for food stamps. And and basically, you know, he like got you know, dream gig, really, Turned isn't it? You know, you get Fox News showing up, want to do a little documentary about your band. I mean, who would say, yeah, wow, that's awesome, isn't it? But he just got absolutely stiffed because he's frankly what looks like a bit of an idiot and unable to kind of aware of how he might come across to other people. To be, to be a part of that life, you can't have a job. You can't have a job. Uh, I can't play anymore because we'll probably get busted for it. But it wasn't so much, you know, the political thing, because obviously this is a Fox News spin, so it's very kind of right-wing and kind of, you know, mass. But just the thought of having somebody so completely unmedia savvy in your band and allowing them in front of, like, national media... <laughs> It, it, there's a point to it, isn't there? Because, I mean, you know, you could blow it quite easily. Dave, you're smiling. Oh, I love this piece. It took me ages, because we were kind of, let's leave, like you say, leave aside the fact that it's Fox. Um, we were kind of like, is this a wind-up? Is this, like, serious? Or is this, a, is, is this a great joke? And I'm still not convinced that it's 100% real, because how can you drive a truck like he drives, which must get, like, all of 12 miles to the gallon? And then claim your skin and want food stamps and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, mm. maybe he, me, maybe it's a double, it's a double whammy. It could be, yeah. yeah. I mean, half well, of that, me that. thinks, you know what? I don't know. Stick two fingers up to the system because I know loads of people who spent their time on the dole, which is obviously our benefit system in the UK during their late teens, early twenties, and who kind of found themselves during that era and then went on to do great things and do more than repay the tax, yeah. uh, you know, for any benefits they may have had via tax contributions. And I also think that people should be able to take time because we kind of go to uni, we come out with a debt, then we have to get into work to kind of clear the debt. And the whole thing just seems to kind of 
It's a, it's the big machine and it's a very bad thing. So half of me thinks that. And it's one reason why I love musicians so much because they kind of never finish learning their craft and they sacrifice loads for it and what I could go on about this for hours. But the other half of me just thinks, what a tool. I think you're absolutely right, and uh, that is a good point because there is discussions here in the U uh, in the UK about you know that the arts are what's it good for? Why are we piling all this money? And they just don't kind of look at the other side of the equation, like massive movies and massive bands and massive kind of intellectual properties that are developed by people who are spending time thinking can bring in enormous amounts of tax revenue and work for people. And there's just sort of there was a whole that apparently at um, I think one of the big galleries in London they've got a space where they kind of give rooms to people to kind of come up with their concepts and work on it, and you know they get it for next to nothing but then five years later you know it's being used in a volkswagen ad or something and it's just you know for, they get like millions of quid in rev- so yeah i think there is a, that's a very valid point that's kind of more of a political thing but it's very interesting i like the idea that actually he's just made the whole thing up and he's just it's just taken fox for a ride that i like that Wouldn't much more than than perhaps what the truth may be but <laughs> i think it's it is quite important i mean because you know as 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 people are um becoming more uh, in, the access to mass media and viral stuff is so quick. You know, you do need to have a little bit of nous about you before you might say something you regret. I don't know. What do you think, Gaz? Have you done anything like that? I've done some stupid things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, back in the 90s, we used to try and do all sorts of stuff, you know, come across really stupid in interviews and, you know, um, deliberately really really stupid and say just really really stupid things uh i don't think it is any good so um this yeah um what i was going to say though but you get like people like darwin dees i don't know if you know this guy he's an american um musician guitarist uh he's actually really good and he's really sussed but he does these he does these kind of little like things online which would suggest that he's very much like that dude in the video you know um but it's all he it's all an act ah so because it does seem he does seem sort of a bit too stereotypical to actually be that guy i mean you know like you say he's got a truck or maybe actually he's actually really wealthy and is just sort of playing the act because it makes him feel cooler there's that possibility as well which people do a lot of stupid things like that yeah, I mean, um, like the Ru- Rus- oh. go on, go on, Mark. Sorry, I was going to say like the Russian princess in Bulletproof Monk. She's like a multi-billionaireess, and she lives in this massive, great big house. But she spends her days being a Russian princess, and her evenings hanging out on the streets with a whole load of urchins. Ah, the princess and the pauper. Sorry, I'm just but sort of I'm- jamming along with the uh, Volker in the background to add some atmosphere. I think it's like. There's something you've got to look at here, though, because I think it should be taken quite seriously, really, because everyone who watches that film who is an American taxpayer has this opinion, like, that guy's a loser, he's sponging off the state, and there's people ranting about it everywhere, right? Yeah. But all you've got to do is look in any of those people's iPhone or iPod or their computer's MP3 collection... Yeah. You'll find, I can guarantee, you will find at least one piece of stolen music and probably many more, or cassette tapes of albums that they've been given by somebody like, hey, here's a mixtape, you know. So I think that they need to clean up their own world first before they can accuse a musician of sponging from the state, because the musicians 
revenue stream is getting less and less and less and less and they need support. Even if his band's not brilliant, I still think that people need development money and support. To make I think that's a fair point. And, and, and I suppose, hopefully, you know, he might get, you could just see him getting like a kind of crazy ad role. You know, oh, he would be, his, the he's the character who would be in some kind of ad uh, and, you know, uh, for, for some product. So I'd be the Ted film. <laughs> I want him to be genuinely living that life. I think it would be much more... If he's faked that, it would be a shame. I mean, it would. there's something about, you know, him like... What did he say? Cheap chicks? It's like, oh, yeah, OK. He's living the life of cheap chicks who dance wow. on tables. That's got to be exciting, hasn't it? Wow. <laughs> and we all yeah. deserve that occasionally. Yeah. I know I do. <laughs> I haven't told you where I'm going on all day yet. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, no, nowhere where that's likely to happen, that's for sure. Not unless um, there's too much tequila, which it doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah, I just thought it was worth mentioning. I, and is there anything else? I, I'm kind of feeling that we do have... that. There was that did, did anyone get a chance to watch that John Cleese video? Because I know he's not maybe some necessarily... Of some of it. There's a bit in it where... Well, maybe I'll play a bit and then you can... Uh, I didn't I can understand g- it, really, but anyway, there you go. Ah, OK. Well, this, this is uh, John Cleese uh, talking at Video Arts and he's asked to uh, basically talk about creativity and he does a funny for the whole thing. I said no problem. Basically. No problem. Uh, but if I get up to, I think it's uh, about 10 minutes or so. Anything like me, after you've pondered some problem that you want Let to turn into see. an opportunity for about 90 seconds, you find yourself thinking, oh, I forgot... I've got to call Jim. And I must tell Tina that I need the report on Wednesday and not Thursday, which means I must move my lunch with Joe and damn. So I think actually I need to come back down here. Uh, Basically, what he was talking about, which I found was interesting, was the analysis of creative process. And he basically, because he he uses his uh, Monty Python days to kind of illustrate the fact that... uh, uh, there's one illustration where he was saying that uh, he wrote, he spent ages working on this script, and a lot of people will will not. They'll just kind of go, oh, I can't be bothered, it's too hard, and take the easy option. Whereas if you give it a bit of extra thought, you come up with a slightly more creative way, and you get into this mode. There's an on mode and an off mode, and when you're on, you're or open, rather, you just kind of throw stuff out, which is the creative part, which is like maybe playing at a piano and just noodling away. But then, in terms of music, what you have to do, I'm, I've, I've, I've jumped here, what you have to do in terms of music is you then have to go to a club mode where you're then figuring out what you've recorded it you've done this and there you're getting into an arrange mode so you have to flip very quickly particularly when working on a computer and music i think between open and close mode so that you can get the benefits of your kind of creative brain playing but then very quickly apply a closed mode methodology in what to do with it and where it goes and all of those things. And I thought that was the interesting thing. I never heard it described like that. And I just thought, oh, that's... Because he's obviously talking in a corporate kind of scenario. But that really kind of resonated with me. And I wondered um, how people felt about that. I mean, because I think maybe that's the skill to be able to switch between open and close is what defines people who can, say, work fast and efficiently, but also well against people who can't. Mark? You wouldn't come in. I'm just going to say I don't switch between open and closed mode. I'm doing them both at the same time. So it's like a seamless transition of ideas coming in and being implemented all the time. There's no, there's no, that's why I didn't understand it. Now I know what you mean by open and closed. That doesn't happen with me. They're both, they're both always happening all at the same time, unless I'm working for somebody else who has different ideas to the way I'm doing it. And then it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> Sorry to those people, but um, 
Yeah, so if I'm working on a song, the ideas, the ideas come out of the actions that I take. So any actions that I take are fueling more ideas, and it just becomes like a flow. There's no on-off. Mm. It's just completely like, it's like getting in a river and going on a, what are they called? You know, like one of those uh, rapid rides. What are yep. they called? Yes, one of those. In a dinghy. Right water. Yeah. Yeah. water rafting. That's it. Yeah, it's like that. Well, it's so you're reacting to the stuff that's going on that's out of your control. That's an interesting point, actually. And, and, and maybe you're like, right. Maybe go with what, what go with what comes up and do it, and then other ideas come up from that. And you just, which is why I don't. And then it feels like a process. It feels like it started. It's like it's running. You're in it, not doing it. You're in it. You're part of it. And then right. at the end of it. You come out of it and there's something and it's either finished or it's not finished. And that's why I've got lots of unfinished things because it's very hard to go back to the unfinished thing and get into it. And that's why right. I like to want to work very Just quickly to, to because, then, it. because then it's finished and I don't have to go back and try and pick it up again. And then the other part of that is that if I do a remix for somebody and this and somebody out there probably listening to this is going to go, oh, he's talking about me, and I am. <laughs> no, that's a really... And ask me to change it, for me to go back into it and then to have to pull something out. I have to think of it like this is a new piece of work, and then I create it in my mind like it's a completely different job, and then I approach it from a beginning and a new end. A, well, that's that's yeah. very interesting, actually. Maybe you're right about um, many people are, are operating in both both modes at the same time. What do you think, Dave? I think that's really interesting, really interesting. It's funny, uh, I'm not sure when I operate in what mode, but I do know that if I'm immersed in something and somebody throws me a, let's say, wife will come in and go, what do you want for tea? And, I'll, uh, 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 and all of a sudden everything starts to stammer and slow down. And I do love this idea of this whole, you just go with it, go with it. We've worked with people, I mean, this is within GeForce, we've worked with people who will analyse everything to the nth degree before they actually do it. And with Chris and I, it's always been a very, very much a gut feeling, you know, does this feel right? And you learn through the process. And actually trying to anticipate things as they come along is always, uh, I find that a, a little bit um, almost dangerous because you've got no idea what you're going to face. Obviously, with experience, you can second-guess certain things and you can anticipate certain things. But one of the, uh, it's interesting, I wish I'd watched this video because one of the videos that I did see very recently that I was talking with Carl about, actually, at Gaz's wedding, was this, um, who's the writer? And, in fact, I called it up while Mark was speaking. Neil Gaiman, the guy who did Coraline, he did a speech at university, you know, the end of year leaving university, where he said, make mistakes, make glorious mistakes. For example, I once misspelt the word Caroline, and it came out Coraline, and I thought, that's interesting. And all of these things lead to other things and whatnot. So this isn't an open, for me, it's not an open and close thing. It's just about, I don't know, immersing yourself in it and going with the flow. Yeah, that's a good, I think that's a very good uh, sentiment. And, 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 mm. and I agree, but I, I, that's, that is interesting about the, uh, lots of great comments in the chat room. Um, go, um, going, I work in a similar, uh, what was it? When I'm in, Shane King says, when I'm in creative mode, I can't answer questions. I just cannot communicate. And I think that is, mm. that's very interesting. One of the things that, uh, yeah, here we go. One of the things that, um, <sighs> what am I trying to say? One of the things that, uh, uh, 
John Cleese says is, you know, you've got to shut yourself out. So give yourself 90 minutes. 90 minutes is a good amount of time to kind of work on it because you know, just don't let yourself be interrupted because actually, you know, people don't necessarily understand what you're doing. And if they kind of just go, yeah, but I just need to know whether you like this colour or not. And it's like, no, you know, it's ve- it actually is very disruptive to have that train of thought broken in a lot of instances. And I think that's something that it sounds a bit sort of, I dare I say, wanky to say it. But actually, it, I think, it is actually true, you know, because that's what tends to happen. So that's what I find interesting. Gaz, I know you wanted to come in there. Um, I've got a drummer down from London with me for a few days, a guy called Chris McComish. He was... Uh, oh, yes, he was... In Popea, yeah. uh, yeah. one of the drummers in Popea. Um, and behind me, I don't know, you actually probably won't be able to see this, but we've got this really fantastic setup. Uh, no, you're not going to be able to see it from here, but it, it, it's, uh, it's the Roland Hansonic... We've got a Korg pad um, uh, that's like a drum pad off to his uh, right. Loads of effects. Roland Geyer to his left. And I, I'm in a similar place here. And I've got a whole bunch of things, including my OP1, basses, effects, Native Instruments machine. So lots and lots of kind of creative tools at our disposal. And what we've been doing is we've been doing these like jams where Chris... Chris is able to sort of really channel his his excellent drumming skills into this electronic environment. So his groove is fantastic. So he's really, really fun to play with as a bass player. But anyway, there's a point to why I'm saying this. So we're getting into these really free-form moods, playing, playing away. Uh, and then we're retrospectively locking the, um, the, the grid to the, to the free-form performances. This is something I've talked about that yeah. quite a bit. Now, but... The thing is, we are just jamming away and having loads of fun, just just playing away, and then and then we just do subsequent runs. We have a big, big loop, and it comes around, and we keep in adding things on the second on the second pass, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, making layers and layers and layers. Now, we don't want to come out of that zone, but we're just amassing masses of kit, masses and masses of stuff. He's got to go tomorrow; it's a three-day session, and. We haven't been able to kind of come out of that zone to kind of go to all this mass of stuff that we've been laying down to uh, to kind of edit it. Makes sense, know? yeah. Uh, and it's it's like oh, it's like really hard. It feels like the difference between play when you're a kid playing outside and having to come in and do your homework, you know, and that real sort of resistance to, uh, you know, <laughs> to actually having to do the the work part. Just want to keep on playing, you know, just want, want to just have fun and play and play and play and play. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult. So now <laughs> after this show's finished, we're literally going to have to just, uh, you know, get... Listen. Well, yeah, but I, I don't want to. I want to just keep on playing, actually, because Chris has got to go. So you know, may as well just. You have, uh, to, get, you have to get an engineer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but this is sorry. Thank you, Mark. You're actually bringing me on topic here. Now, the I find it very. I do actually find it very annoying to have to sort of come out from being a musician to being a technician. Now I, I can turn and I can see that as I've been playing, that I'm clipping. Now, to stop that clipping means I'm having to stop playing and not a lot, not a lot to stop it clipping. But I can't break out 
from that music playing. So I know it's clipped and it's ruined, but I still can't stop just to do that little tiny thing. Right. You know, because I know that... it in isotope. Yeah. But I know that as soon as I stop and break out to do that fix, then I'm, you know, I, I, I've, I've popped my... Uh, musician space you know exactly this thing that we're talking about you know the creative place interesting interesting point uh and i well what i've been doing um uh, the last couple of weeks i took some advice off um uh i'm trying to remember the name of the chap who wrote a brilliant article for us um i can find him now i feel terrible for uh matt i think he's called jesus Matthew Tanner, who's written us a couple of really good blog posts. And the last one was, you know, you only got uh, 35 summers left or whatever it is. So figure out, and there were some comments in there saying, what I do is just get up really early and go to work. And I've been doing that. I've been getting here at seven o'clock in the morning and just adding that. And those two hours, like for instance, I finished a mix, I've done these things and do the things and I just really concentrate and get on with it. And then I can be a bit more sort of less focused during the day, but I've still got two clear or more hours, well, probably three clear hours of, of just fairly kind of, focused work so i find that but it's the same it's kind of the same for me because a lot of the time you know when i'm on camera uh, andy's been doing some switching which makes it an awful lot easier for me to actually do the presentation thing rather than mm. thinking right where am i doing when what we, we shot with gaz we did two episodes of sonic touch which normally we can't do in a day and we did two of them and it was much easier because we could just you know blah and, and 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 it just comes together so i agree with having you Creating, you know, creating that bubble and staying within it is very, is a very. I guess it's also quite an addictive state of mind as well, really. Maybe there's something in that time that you're choosing as well, because if you think about it, seven o'clock in the morning is sort of outside of the nine to five, which means yeah, less possibly. other human beings are going to interrupt you, and musicians tend oh. to pick sort of after nine o'clock at night till three o'clock in the morning. That's a great time to work because you yeah. can't. All the shops are shut, so you're not going to go shop, shopping for anything or ringing anyone up about like oh can i can you sell me this or that or whatever all that all of that's gone out the window and nobody sort of rings you up after nine o'clock because that would be rude or discourteous yeah, so. so you're in a you're in a sort of disconnected from the world phase and then that gives you the space to go into that mode and get on that kind of you know train and not have to get off well, I, yes, I think you're, you're right. I mean, I, I don't get a lot of interruptions here, to be honest. I mean, we get deliveries and, and pickups and all that sort of thing, but it's not like incessant phone calls. I mean, I wish it was sometimes, you know. I want to buy some stuff. Can I have more advertising? You know, those are the phone calls I'd be <laughs> yeah, happy to be, be interrupted yeah, for, yeah. I want to sponsor the podcast for uh, a year. <laughs> Is this enough? That sort of stuff. Those, those, please don't, don't, don't feel you can't interrupt me with those kind of interruptions. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> I read that Mark Twain, the writer... Uh, used to start work at nine o'clock in the morning and finish at five o'clock at night but absolutely nobody was allowed to speak to him so he used to go into a room and unless there was an like a complete emergency like somebody had died or something in which case somebody was allowed to ring a bell to break him out of his creative mode well you can get away with allowed in there to talk to him or anything yeah, but you can get away with that sort of. You could get away with that sort of thing uh, back then. I don't think you can do that these days because people just go get out of here. You know, <laughs> just... that's the thing with being in headphone land, though, isn't it? If you spend like three hours, four hours in headphone land, you know, without oh, yeah, even going to the toilet or whatever, you know, like a really long time in headphone land, uh, it's it's very. Uh, 
I don't want to come out of it when I'm in that zone, you know. And I can. I often work. I, I often work through the night. I really um I, That's when I just feel in the right space to to work. And with certain jobs that that I have to do, I can't face them in the day. I don't know why that is. I just can't face them. I just. Right. Ugh. I just procrastinate and just avoid, avoid, avoid. And then in the night, I can do it. It's weird. I don't understand why that is. but Because you put it off for so long, I suppose. Yeah, yeah maybe, last minute. But, um, but I'm in this, when I'm in that zone, I can, yeah, I can just keep on going. I keep on going for hours on end, you know. And oh, good for you. you know, yeah. I, I used to find that working at night. I mean, I was definitely a night bird, but... I used to find that, but now with that, in fact, I've made a decision to change it and I've started to change it. In light of you being contactable all the time via email or whatever, um, that would also get interrupted. And for me, those were the, you know, the kind of the half past 10 till kind of 1.30 in the morning. They were always kind of my hours. And now, of course, I'll just check my email and I'll just do that. And it's very easy to get distracted. And one thing I've started to do is try and reduce the ways the number of ways that i'm contactable either that yeah. by not giving my mobile number out or giving that only to certain people or turning turn your wi-fi yeah. off that's what that's what i'm doing now when i turn, when yeah. i when i power my my computer studio up turn the wi-fi off leave the phone downstairs oh, right. <laughs> airport mode or, or air, uh, yeah. Yeah, airplane yeah. mode on Sorry to well, funnily enough, yeah. I, well, I, I, I'm feeling very bereft of any kind of people that contact me because the only person that ever phones me during the podcast is my partner, um, and she's the one who knows I've been doing it for six years. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I just don't get contacted that much. I suppose most people, most of it's online. So I mean, occasionally I'll sit here and I'll flip to my email tab and just see if anything's come in because I might have sent out a pitch or a quote or I'm waiting to hear whether we're going to get a review of a piece of equipment or something, you know. And and those are the little processes that are think that yeah, you probably do need to. To, to boot down so you can then enter into your mode but yeah interesting discussion i thoroughly recommend that if you get the opportunity um i think if i put the link in the show notes uh there is then you'll be able to uh, i'll put it in the chat room now as well um right there and i'll try and put the link in the show notes as well but i think that's a good time to stop and obviously from me and the volkers um it's going to be a goodbye and a goodbye till next week obviously uh, no, not next week. The week after next, which is, uh, I forget the date, but uh, it'll become apparent when... It's the... Oh, no, it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, I, yeah, I'm, I'm too in my left brain. I can't think about dates, man. So I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. It's been great to have you all aboard. Uh, we'll go to you, Mark, there. Mark Tinley there, um, who may well be in a different part of the country by the time we come back to you. Thanks very much <laughs> oh, for joining us. Well, <laughs> Excellent. I can't do that. I've lost the accent. I'll be living in Glastonbury, won't I? Wow, that's going to be I'll exciting. Stay alone. We'll be able to go up with the uh, wireless network and go up to the tour. Oh, fantastic. Now, that might be challenging. Mm. That's going to be interesting. But uh, thank you very much, Mark, anyway. I appreciate it. And, and the fly, of course. So um, say goodbye to him, too. Uh, if you haven't swatted him away, uh, fly on the webcam is going to be the title, as I said. Uh, and also, I want to say thank you very much to Dave Spears there, whose uh, internet has held up very well. Dave Spears uh, at his studio. I'm going definitely going to come and see you um, after the holes. I've got. Yeah, something. you should. We're getting. Loved it. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's going to be here or Chris's, but we're getting one of the new Mellotron. Uh, you know, the M4000. Wow, awesome! Which is going to be a lovely beast. Yeah, so. Well, yeah. I need to come and see you and figure out how to make as much money as you to keep buying all this stuff. Obviously, that would be the way to do oh, it. <laughs> I can give you tips on that. It's credit cards and... 
<laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Dave. Uh, G4Software.com, that kind of... That's where you want to go and see what uh, see what Dave's up to. And, of course, finally, Gaz Williams. Um, thank you very much for joining us, too. And thanks again yep. for your Sonic Touch um, work. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the Sonic Touch. Nice to be back with Sonic Touch because it's interesting, isn't it? We, you know, we've been away for a little bit and there has been some quite interesting development. So, you know, I think it's given us a new... Impetus Something else to, and we've also got obviously the latest iPad, so uh, that's that's also handy. So we'll say thank you very much. I can't decide whether to play out with uh, Derek Warren's uh, piece or with some Volker action. I suppose it might be, seeing as I did trail the Volker on it, I might better play with some Volker. So if I switch the beats on, I'm just going to press start on a bunch of things. <laughs> There we go. So we'll see you there, and then uh, I can fade this out. Or not. So that's Sonic Talk number 327. Thank you very much for listening.